There's another podcast you should be listening to, TED Health, a podcast from the TED Audio Collective. Join host Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter as she introduces you to leading health experts and breaks down the health questions you didn't know you had. Learn more about the way your body works and the newest insights changing the medical world, like what a smart bra means for better heart health, three ways to prepare for the next pandemic, and how we can all live healthier lives. Find TED Health wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Hillary. She has ADHD. Let's talk about it. Um, so, uh... The we are recording and we are here in studio with our guest today, Hillary, who who drove all the way from New Brunswick <laughs> to come hang out with us in the studio. And Taylor knows this and decides to just stay at home because he's going to have a baby. Yeah, it's crazy. It kind of it feels was like so, I mean, H- Hillary, it was more so just to not be in the same room as Hil- Hillary yeah. was the main so I, I get factor. It. It's fine. The baby yeah. was set. The baby was secondary. Yeah. And that yeah. was right. an auxiliary reason. It was more it's, so just Hillary. It's pretty cool though, because it feels like Hillary is a co-host now and has replaced Taylor. Yes. And Taylor just happens to be the guest for today. Okay. Yes. Well, yeah. my last name is Taylor. So there oh, we go. Well, yeah, it's perfect. Like a, it's like a, it's like a Raiders of the, it's like a Raiders of the Lost Ark swap. Yeah. And, and th- th- this isn't why we're here to talk what, what we're here to talk about, but I do think it's relevant to, to add here. Uh, Hillary, you're, you're part of the, the, the two-person duo, the mm. internet sleuths that pieced together that Taylor and Kyla were pregnant long before we even <laughs> announced to the public that they were pregnant, and yes. we talked about it on a Feel Good Friday episode. Mm-hmm. So uh, just very, very incredible. interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. So, uh, interesting mm. that this all came mm. together like this. And a strange, co- is it just coincidence that also the Ukrainian crisis is happening? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is there, okay. a, maybe there's a correlation there? <laughs> okay. All right. Um, but we are here to talk about uh, a couple of a couple of big things. One thing that's going to be, um, that's probably going to fucking spark Brian to just yammer on about the shit just that he doesn't stop gonna, talking about gonna lately. Fucking, he's going to empathize way too much. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah, talking yeah. about therapy and ADHD. We're talking about like ADHD oh, yeah. for sure. But, um, yes. no. but we're also talking about... <laughs> <laughs> we're also, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> okay, Taylor, I thought we were going to be friends, but I'm no, not getting like, no, feeling that No, it's are. not you. It's not you. It's Brian. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, but Taylor, I, I am an IVF baby too. So. Oh, oh, wow. oh, oh, yeah? Yes. How does it, how does it, what was your experience? Like? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I wasn't really like aware. <laughs> oh, you don't, you don't remember uh, it? No, yeah. I don't actually. No. Wait, let me oh, guess. Okay. You have CF2 and you're just trying to like <laughs> tick all the boxes or something. No, no, but like, I mean, that was 25 years ago. So like it wasn't as heard of back yeah. then. So you're OG IVF. Yes. Cool. Yeah. That is really cool. Do you know, I mean, again, this is irrelevant to actually what we're here to talk about, but, uh, but I find it interesting. Yeah. Do you, do you know if you were like the first attempt? Uh, yes. Cool. Um, and I think like they told my parents that there was only like a 20% chance of a take home baby. So basically like there was a good chance that they would get pregnant, but that it might not carry to term. It might not go mm-hmm. through. So like the odds were really, really low. 
Um, I'm glad you specified that because you said take home baby. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah we have I know, a, di- a dine in baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you just got you got to just parent it here at the hospital. <laughs> and if you ever want to do it again, come back in. I was wondering if that was like actually the term that they yeah, use. Or like, like, I know because even I like my mom, you know, obviously she didn't really tell me like a lot of it when I was a kid, but because you can't really understand it. So the first time she said that, I was like, what? <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know what that means. And she's like, well, they just said there was a good chance that you wouldn't make it all the way. Wow. So, and I could have been, I think, a triplet because, I mean, back then they implanted like two or three embryos to make sure at least one of them took. Yeah, wow. right. Um, yeah. And I yeah. think now because the science has advanced, like they will only put like the best one or one. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's different. It's definitely different now. I mean, it's and it's crazy how it's crazy how. You know, when you're when you go through something that's so um, that's so involved and so emotionally taxing, and and financially taxing, that at the end of the day, you're kind of walking out with like a sixty percent chance, mm-hmm. like yeah, or, or or less, and that and and then you know, rewind twenty twenty five years, mm-hmm. and it's and it's you know. You're you're way more likely to not succeed than right. to succeed. I mean, yep. that's yeah. that's so wild. <clears throat> do you yeah. f- do you feel really like lucky to be alive? Like, do you feel like you were like the because I mean, you know, like I, I think really we of- should all feel pretty <laughs> lucky yeah. to yeah. be alive. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. considering yeah. that there's like billions of sperm <laughs> that are like doing the work yeah. to try to get there and we won we the all race won the, yeah. we all won the lottery but yeah. we we won the race like yeah. it was like an organic like right. natural ra- like you there was were no race for me you were hand right. are you yes. are you calling hillary and my soon to be born child like fake no 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 i'm saying better like even even better than us Plimbus babies that were just like fucking had to win. We had to win a fucking race. You were handpicked. I was made in a petri dish. Yeah, you were like you were specifically selected as like the best option. Yeah, the alpha. You know, like I just maybe like I maybe won a race by fluke, and in fact, I might not even. I I actually wasn't even supposed to be here. You didn't even win the race. I separated hard from like I was part of one ag thing, and I was like, Mm -hmm. I got to be my own thing, and then like (laughs) totally just stretched and separated because I'm a twin. And Dennis, Dennis entered first, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. Well, um, let's uh, let's transition. Uh, (laughs) Let's transition to what into what we're really here to talk about. And I guess there's a little bit of a transition here. So you were just saying that. um, you know, you were an IVF baby, and uh, that was that was something that your 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 parents uh, decided to go through uh, all of those years ago, 25, 26 years ago. Um, but uh, and I know we said we were going to be talking about um, uh, um, ADHD, mm-hmm. but uh, a- another big part of what we're here to talk about is grief because yes. you uh, you lost your father. I did, yeah. And I know that that grief actually is a big part mm-hmm. in. Uh, plays a big part in your mental health journey. Yeah, absolutely, it does. <laughs> take us back to take us back to, if this is okay to oh, talk yeah. about. It. Okay, great. Yes, I'm an take, open book. <laughs> take us back to the beginning. What? Um, how? How did you lose your father? Yeah. So, um, we had just been in Disney in October of 2008, and like my dad was a big guy. He was a heavy machinery mechanic, so he was always like going to Cairo massage, like always had back issues, neck issues. And I remember being 
like at the condo in Disney and he would get up in the middle of the night and lay down the floor and like try to like massage the knots that were in his Mm -hmm. back and like he would do that at home but like the middle of the night seemed really weird anyway like everything kind of seemed fine um but then the next red flag was we had flown from Bangor down so we had to drive from Bangor back home and he had to ask my mom to drive home, which was really, really weird for him. Like he wouldn't normally do that. Like he would just drive the whole way. And my mom was kind of like, that was really weird. Mm-hmm. Just I'm assuming from, you know, the posture he had to sit in to drive was like really uncomfortable. So I don't remember how long after that he eventually went to the doctor. But basically what the pain was, um, he had lung cancer but the tumor that was growing on his lungs was breaking his ribs. Whoa. Yeah. Holy so shit. that's what the pain was. And that was that's what, what he was trying to work out. Yes. He thought it was a knot, right? And it Holy wouldn't come fuck. out. So that's what triggered the doctor's appointment. Um, and then, you know, long story short, that was November 2008. He started radiation right away in St. John. He came home for Christmas because they were going to start chemotherapy. And they told him he had months at that point, and then he passed away on January 3rd. Whoa. So it was end of November to January 3rd that it, like, that was it. Whoa. Yeah. What was that experience like for, I mean, for your family? Are you you an only child? Uh, Well, I have a half-brother, but he's in his 40s, so we didn't grow up together. So I grew up like an only child. Sure. Yeah. So, you know... At that time, it's so, so fucking heavy. Like especially mm. around like Christmas time, like yes. it's it's like mm. it's like the time where not for everyone, but for mm-hmm. a lot of people, it's like very family focused right. and family heavy. And yeah, uh, what I mean, that's so rapid. Mm-hmm. It's so quick. Yeah. Like at that time, how did you all sort of manage that? Was it so fast <laughs> that like you, looking back at it, you were like, I don't know, it was a fucking blur. I have yeah. no idea. That's how I felt. Right. I mean, I should. I was eleven. Yeah. <laughs> so. Right. And that was really like my first experience with like death in a way. Like I had, I'd lost grandparents before, but I was clearly long enough, young enough that I didn't really get it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time that it was like, oh, like someone I really care about is like sick. And because he was such a like big, tough man, like seeing him like in bed, like he lost a lot of weight. Um, he was on all kinds of pain medication. So he was just loopy all the time. He'd talk mm. about like, you know, meat running through potatoes. Like, I, I don't know, we'd be watching TV and I'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel like I didn't properly process it at all. Like mm. I didn't expect it to happen that quickly. I didn't even think that was a possibility that it was going to happen like at all, if even that soon. Did, was that, was that because, um, there wasn't like a lot of communication around what exactly was happening or do you think it's just, but the nature of being that age and trying to wrap your head around it, like what was that? Or is it just the speed of it all? Like, I mean, I think it was a combination of all of it. I think just because I was young (coughs) and obviously like, I think my mom tried to shield me from a lot of it because I'm a kid, right? Like Mm. how much do you tell your kid? Because I even remember it was just after Christmas. It was maybe like three days after we were coming back from my grandmother's house. My mom had stayed home with my dad and she called us and was like, just don't be scared, don't be nervous, but like the ambulance is here. Like he's, he won't get out of bed. He can't get out of bed because he was just in so much pain because it, I'm assuming at that point it had gone to his bones. Mm. It was in his hips, I think. So 
you know, and I remember her saying that and being like, okay, like mm-hmm. <laughs> she's telling me to not to be scared. And eventually, so that took him into the hospital in Sussex um, and they put him in palliative care. And I remember asking my mom, what's palliative care? Mm. And she was like, how do you tell your child what palliative care is and that your dad is there? Mm. Like, and I think she just explained it as like, oh, it's just where they're going to make his pain feel better, make him more comfortable. But obviously now I know usually that's an end of life for somebody, right? Mm. Although I didn't expect it to be like a week later, <laughs> but... Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Did, did you remember like leading up to, um, uh, to his death, did... Like, did you know that it was happening at all before? Or was it like it just happened and then afterwards you were sort of left to process Yeah, that? that's what it was like. I don't remember feeling like that was even on my radar, like mm. at all. Like I remember I would go to school and be like, oh yeah, like my dad has cancer. <laughs> and like he's in like the hospital and my friends would kind of be like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and one of my good friends had gone home and like told her mom and her mom told my mom that basically my friend was getting the impression that I kind of was just like, ah, okay, like whatever, he's going to get better. It's fine. Yeah. And are you 12? Are you, how old are you then? Like 12, 13? 12. I'm, yeah. Like 11, yeah. 12. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like, you're just, <clears throat> you know, you're, you're in this, God, that's such a, it's mm-hmm. just such a, like that, that like 12 to probably like 17 ish yep. time <laughs> is just like such a, such a crazy time because you are sort of entering into this, into this intellectual space where like you can understand stuff, mm-hmm. but you really, but everything's kind of a mess right? and you can, you, you, you get it, but you don't, re- you don't get it. Yeah. And, and communicating about it, even if you get it is like mm, next yeah. to fucking impossible. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, you know, what was yeah. that like? Like going back to school and having to obviously like face friends and, yeah, and like, people in your class to like, obviously they know, like right. that's just something that kids know, yeah. know like, Oh, the teacher might've like told them or whatever. Yes. And, and so then you have to talk about it with them. Like mm-hmm. what, what was that experience like? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like Taylor just said, like basically from age 12 to honestly, even a few years ago, like it was just nuts. But yeah, going back to school, like after Christmas break, like I remember feeling very <laughs> overwhelmed because Obviously, to other kids, they're like, whoa, like, this is bad. Like, I've never really known another kid to, like, lose their parent and, like, something like that. Because, like, I grew up in Sussex, so, like, um, in New Brunswick, a small town, right? So everybody kind of knows, like, if mm-hmm. he passed away, everybody knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he was so young, like, it was tragic and quick, right? So anyway, uh, just, you know, kids who I didn't even really know felt like they needed to give me a hug. And it just kind of felt like... I- <laughs> I almost don't really get like why you're hugging me because it's like I hadn't even really processed it. So it just it was weird for the first few months for sure. Mm. At that time, like, do you do you recall um, do you recall any of the types of conversations that you had, you know, like one on one with your mother, like after your your father had passed and. And and also like was there was therapy involved at all after this? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's one thing that if I could go back and I think for her too, grief counseling would have helped immensely, especially because I was a child, right? Mm-hmm. So it, but I remember her, like, cause we've obviously talked about it since, and she said 
she didn't feel like there was anybody. And I don't know, that could have been a Sussex thing. Cause like, there's not a lot of therapists in Sussex. I think she just didn't feel like there was anyone she felt comfortable taking me to, <coughs> or even in general, like she just, I've heard her say like, I was worried that a therapist might do more harm than good. Mm. And I think, you know, and maybe it's a generational thing that, there was definitely a group of people in a time where they just didn't think therapy would be helpful or that it's it's not really something you you do or it's kind of like oh you go to therapy like ugh. Mm-hmm. so i don't know if that played a part or she was just trying her best cuz obviously she just lost her life partner too so yeah. mm-hmm. it's hard to say but yeah not having grief counseling was not yeah. ideal <laughs> yeah it's really hard i mean the there's you're right there's like there was certainly a lot more stigma around therapy even 12, mm-hmm. uh, 14 years ago mm-hmm. now that then, or then, than there is today. <clears throat> and, um, and likely it's probably several factors too, right? Yeah. It's like, it's, there's, there's the, like ge- geographically too, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. like there's, there's probably just areas that, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a smaller town, like people just yep. don't, it, it, the, the lack of education surrounding therapy, like those yeah. types of things, man, Donut, you are really <laughs> fucking <laughs> getting on my nerves right now, dude. Can you chill? I can tell he's grinding your gears. Dude, he's yeah. grinding my gears. Um, uh, I need to go see therapists to, to, to deal with my, my dog anger. Um, you guys want to talk about therapy? Yeah, I love therapy. Uh, I but, tell you do. But, um, but yeah, like, like based on where you live, what your, what your upbringing has been, like what the education surrounding therapy is, and then especially, you know, talking about a time that was so far, so far back like mm-hmm. it, it it the, the conversations really have shifted yeah. and evolved but um again like you said she was doing her best yeah. and that's mm-hmm. that's the thing like i i tell myself the same thing about my parents in terms of like the way that they dealt with and handled some of my cf stuff i go mm-hmm. look i can't i like they were doing their best but in retrospect they kind of fucked up yeah, you know like right. they, but yeah. you can't you can't blame them how, and it's easy to look back it's easy to look back in the context of how we think now and go yeah. oh that's yeah. such an obvious decision but right. like yeah. at the time it's not yeah. How, yeah. how did you grieve during that time? <laughs> uh, I feel like I didn't for a while because I just felt like my life was on like freeze or like pause for a while. And then I want to say, I mean, it, it's like you said, like you're 11, 12, you're about to hit some hard years without something like that happening, you know, mm-hmm. like puberty changes, like school, like it's just a lot, right? And then you put that on top of it and I just felt like lost. I felt behind like and never mm. really knowing why, which, you know, is mm. kind of a segue into <laughs> the ADHD. But yeah. um, I feel like it wasn't until maybe like my late teens, early 20s that I finally kind of accept like you have not grieved properly you need to do something you need to fix this because it mm. was just affecting my life like negatively in 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 what ways was it affecting your life that 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 sort of became apparent to you that well, you needed I, to- I, I want to I just want to read a quote actually from your <clears throat> from your application that mm-hmm. that I think was really like uh well well put you said the trauma that grew from that experience has spread and grown like a cancer of its own mm-hmm. um so to Brian's point there like at what point from 12 on, like, at what point did you start to notice, like, oh, I'm struggling. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm finding things to be quite hard. Um, <laughs> poor donut. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Bro, Jeremy, you don't have to hit him, hit him like that. 
Don't. That's not funny. Don't do that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's not funny. <laughs> um, I, I think I didn't notice it at the time, but looking back, there was a lot of intense emotions that shouldn't have felt as intense as they did. Um, you know, and even like talking about it, I would just get like emotional, like straight away. And I feel like that's probably semi-normal anyway. Like that's a big loss, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to say like the first thing that I was like, okay, this is a big red flag. Um, it was my first serious boyfriend, um, which <laughs> turned out to be a really bad relationship. Um, he was very uh, emotionally abusive. Mm. And... Obviously, when you're in it, you don't really see the signs. Or, like, you do, but you're kind of like, no, it's fine. Like, this is okay. Even though my mom, like, could see it and was constantly like, this is not good. This is not good. This is not good. Mm. Um, And he was very controlling as well. And I say now, I'm like, if I had had maybe that example of seeing, like, how my dad was treating my mom, I'd like to think that maybe I would go, like, okay, like, you shouldn't be treating me like this. Like, I'd like to think I could have, like, spoken <laughs> up sooner or better, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know that, right? But that was the first big red flag because then the, the grief and the trauma that was still there, plus now dealing with an abusive relationship, like, once that ended, I was like, fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's a lot here. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And in terms of like one of the things that I'm really curious about because I, and and I guess we're you know we're kind of working towards the ADHD thing, mm-hmm. but someone who, especially someone so young like who mm-hmm. has who is going through <clears throat> multiple challenging um, events in their life, mm-hmm. you know the loss of a father, um, the, the the trauma that comes with an abusive relationship. Yeah. Um, I know that you've kind of like, and correct me if I'm wrong, if mm-hmm. this isn't the case, but what I'm, what I'm gathering is that like you've kind of been in and out of the, the, the system in terms of like trying to manage and figure out what's going on with mm-hmm. your mental health mm-hmm. with all of this stuff underneath the surface yeah. happening as events in your life. Yeah. D- have you, did you find like, um, did you find it to be kind of challenging to navigate or 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 seek out some sort of diagnosis? Oh, absolutely. With, with the like looming cloud of all this other shit that was yes. going on? Oh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> part of it was like once I decided like, okay, like therapy would probably be a really great idea. A lot of therapists will not deal with like... Um, like grief counseling, if it's something that's happened a few years ago, because a lot, yeah, because a lot of them feel like because you're not in that place, they they just, they don't seem to like to go back into the past of it. So it was Mm. really hard to find someone who would talk about my dad and like the issues. Mm. And anytime I did find someone who would like take me on, you know, that would come up, but then it would just be like, yeah, but like, I don't really deal with like past trauma. So like what's going on right now? And Mm. it'd be like, God, okay. That's, that's, that's frustrating. Yes. That seems like like so counterintuitive <laughs> yes. to like yeah. like my therapy. And it's also it also sounds like, so against what like mainstream media has made therapists out to be because yeah. like yeah. every time you see a therapist on TV, they're like, "Let's talk." Tell about me your about parents. your childhood. Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> talk about your childhood. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I, I think you know, like obviously, 
it clearly had a lot to do with the grief and that because it wasn't dealt with, maybe that was why. Whereas if I was freshly going through it, they could be like, okay, so we need to find things to help you in the future. Whereas like now they're like, ah, you know, you're already in a shitty future. So like, let's just work forward. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It's so interesting to me because like even outside of like my experience with, with therapy, I feel like we are, like the the people who we are today mm-hmm. are just a result of the experiences that we've had in the past. Yes. Like and they, and we can't be other than like like who we are bio, biologically. Mm-hmm. Like we are really just made up of our experiences. Yes. And so, to me, it's it's mind blowing to think that somebody wouldn't be interested in how your past experiences, mm-hmm. especially like you know traumatic past experiences have shaped who you are today. And then like to my experience in, in therapy, I feel like I'm constantly finding out how like little things in my, in my past have like had these like prolonged sort of, it's like, um, to equate it to like a, like a physical, um, um, injury. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you have this, like, you know, you twist your knee in this really minor way and then you continue to, walk on it yes, and you don't right. rest it properly, yeah. then eventually even that really tiny injury mm-hmm. can become a, a severe, you know, knee problem yeah. that requires future operations. And I think it's exactly the same <laughs> with your yeah. mental health. Like if you don't resolve past trauma, mm-hmm. um, even experiences that, you know, aren't, aren't profoundly traumatic, mm-hmm. but are traumatic nonetheless, yeah. then those can go on to have, really significant effects mm. on, on, on who you are today. What, and sometimes positive and sometimes negative. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. but it, but it's, it really boils down to like being able to understand why, like mm-hmm. that's my, my biggest takeaway from therapy so far has been not resolving anything, right? but understanding why things are the way that mm. they are so yeah. that when those things show up in my life, I can go, Oh, okay. Yes. That's that thing. Yeah. And yeah. it makes it easier to understand. In yoga, in, in yoga philosophy, it's uh, it, uh, yoga philosophy and in, 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 in like Hindu philosophy is it, they talk about it in terms of the, these things called samskaras, which are like imprints or scars that are left on the mind mm. uh, by experience and and kind of taking that physical aspect of what you said there, Brian, and, and kind of taking it a step further from like not necessarily just the thing that hurts turning into something that hurts more, but that you know if you get a if you get us if you get a if you get a big uh laceration somewhere and then that develops scar tissue that scar tissue pulls and bunches t- really tightly and pulls things in its orbit towards it and mm-hmm. and starts to affect things that you wouldn't <coughs> necessarily correlate with that injury it starts to have effects elsewhere right. in the body and like this in similar similar in this philosophy of like you know, you get this imprint on the mind of this experience and then the things that are sort of in the orbit of that similar type of experience are affected as a result of that. And not until you are, and which is why therapy, why, why therapy is so helpful in the way that it goes back or not in, not, not in some of the cases of the therapist that you sought out, yeah. but in the, in, the, in the way that most of the time, most of the time yeah. you are, you know, you're, you're unearthing experiences and yeah. trying to understand them yeah. so that the imprint that they leave on your mind 
is reduced over time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did the how did some of the you know in, in these years leading up to and 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 just before actually getting a, a diagnosis of ADHD, which I know is quite recent. Yes. Um, up to that point, like how how. How did your mental health issues manifest in your like day to day? You know, was it was it you know did it look like depression or was there like anxiety attacks or like what were what were some of the things that you you kind of struggled with? Yeah, it was primarily depression, um, and I think it was kind of there before the bad relationship, but then it really reared its ugly head after like we broke up because. Like, at first, I thought it was just because, like, at the end of that relationship, like, I didn't know who I was. Like, because, you know, it came down to things like he would control, like, what music I should or shouldn't like, what clothes I should wear, like, how I should color my hair, like, things like that. So by the end of that relationship, I was like, "Eh, okay, I don't know who I am. So i got to work on finding that. So then everything else kind of takes a backseat. Um, so then because of that, like I developed some pretty severe depression, like it was really dark. Um, and I had just started, um, a new job like in Moncton. So (laughs) it's kind of funny because when I started that new job, I was still in that relationship. And because of that, like I was very like closed off, like really quiet, like really shy. So one day you show up to work and you're like, la, 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 la. And everyone's like, like whoa. Literally, yeah. like, they thought <laughs> that I was this quiet, like, little church mouse. Like, I was this good girl. And then it was like, you know, you progress and become myself. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, hi. And then <laughs> they're kind of like, yeah. Like, Tits you- out at work. And they're like, whoa, Hillary yeah. really. Uh, yes. They're like, you've <laughs> changed a lot. Like, <laughs> we have to fire her. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yeah, you've changed you. a lot. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't change. I'm like, this is who I was before. I'm like, yeah. you guys met me at a bad time. Yeah. So it's just kind of funny. What was the what was the job? I'm a pharmacy technician. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I work in a pharmacy, which is also lots of mentally fun. Like that's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, dealing with a lot of. But you're surrounded by all the pills that can make I, you better. Yeah. I just I can't take them. <laughs> um, can't. I mean. Yeah. Man. I mean. <laughs> so how, just joking, folks. We don't want to get to Hillary in trouble. Yeah. No. Here. I. I, I, just in case the College of Pharmacists is listening, yeah. I am very good at my job. I do not steal pills from work. <laughs> just in case sarcasm doesn't uh, travel well through the airwaves. <laughs> um, I'm coming back to like this, this um, you becoming yourself again. Mm-hmm. Like, w- what are some of the things that you did to help find mm. yourself after that? Um, I mean, starting the new job was really helpful because I found a lot of really great friends there. So, and I had been living in Sussex and traveling back and forth to Moncton, which is like an hour drive each way for the first year of my job because I wasn't sure like I was going to stay there. And then it became pretty clear that, you know, I had these new friends. I was kind of making a life there. It was getting annoying to travel. Um, So once I had made that move, I had all these great friends, but now I'm living by myself which is not good for me sometimes because obviously you're alone with your your thoughts. And, um, you know, I had these great friends, but then when I would come home and be alone, like it would feel really, really dark because mm. now all of a sudden I'm left to listen to all of the, the trauma and the depression and all of these things that had manifested and I hadn't dealt with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, like dealing, having some good friends around after, you know, spending three years with somebody who sucks now but Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and then yeah eventually I did reach out to a therapist 
didn't work. That one wasn't a good fit. Um, I, I think I've gone through like four or five therapists and you know, and it's not a one size fits all. Like I know for the like general person, like you do have to find someone that meshes really well with you. But Mm -hmm. like I said, it was a lot of them being like, Oh no, I don't deal with like Mm -hmm. past things. So it was like, okay. Um, have you found one that worked? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I love her. I'm (laughs) I'm really curious about that presence because, um, um, once when I started going to therapy, I, Mm -hmm. I started, um, posting about it on, uh, Instagram quite a bit because Taylor and Jer won't listen to me talk about how much I love it all the time. I mean, they, they're, they were nice in the beginning, but now they're just tired of it. So, so, um, I, and, and realizing how, I mean, you talk about it more than, more than you talk about blockchain. (laughs) (laughs) See, I can't believe you guys keep booking guests with ADHD. Like this is, uh, it's so great for me. I love it. Um, it's so stimulating, but the, the um the thing that I found uh, so it's something that people will write me and ask me often is like how did you find somebody who works who worked for you because a lot of people have initially have negative experiences mm-hmm. I think with seeing therapists either they don't find like they've found the right fit or they're not comfortable talking about the things that they're going through and and opening up to their therapist the one thing that I recommend um really strongly is first understanding the type of person that you want mm-hmm. to speak to. Mm. Um, for me, like I, I just knew that it had to be someone with, um, and this is me personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, my experience was I want somebody who has feminine energy because going through junior high and high school, um, I felt most comfortable <laughs> being vulnerable and, and open with my female friends. Mm-hmm. And, I wasn't set on it. It didn't have to be a woman necessarily, but somebody who had feminine energy. And then I also wanted somebody who was younger and Mm -hmm. would like could offer like a youthful sort of perspective on things. And not to say that they're like experience is certainly something that, that develops over time with, Mm -hmm. with therapists and, and, um, and I'm sure that there's a lot of like, advantages to speaking to somebody who's been doing this for, for a number of years. But I felt like I, I really wanted somebody with a youth, youthful sense of energy. Mm-hmm. And then the great thing is that you can go to um, psychologytoday.com, which yes. is basically like a database for yeah. therapists. And you can find ones that are in your location mm-hmm. and you can filter by a bunch of different criteria. And so for me, like I was fine, wh- it, whether it was a psychologist or a, a psychiatrist <laughs> or a counselor or whatever. It didn't really, that didn't matter to me so much as, as this sort of like profile of person that mm-hmm. I wanted. And then also looking at the different sort of specialties that they have. So, mm-hmm. you know, you get people with like cognitive behavioral therapy, EMDR, like blah, blah. There's so many different styles yeah. and approaches to therapy. And I didn't know much about that, but going into it, I figured if I could find the person who gives me the right type of energy so that I feel comfortable mm-hmm. opening <clears throat> up to them, then I'm sure that I can work within their sort of techniques or scope yeah. of practice to get what I need from the th- this experience. Mm-hmm. And I was really lucky because the person that I found in the beginning worked really well for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that would necessarily be the case every time. Right. But I think because I had that criteria going into that, mm-hmm. I, I think I set myself up to 
to have a good opportunity at finding the right person yeah. first. Let's talk a little bit more about your experience with therapy, Brian. Hillary, you can go home now. Um, yeah. So Brian, this is really interesting and I think we should really dive into this like really fucking deep. I, I, know, um, that, I know that you're giving me a hard time, that, but I actually think that like this is something that people actually here, I, you know, I want to, I just want to say yeah. I'm looking for an, a, a therapist with the energy of like an old crone, like a fucking curmudgeon old <laughs> bitch. Okay, That's well, what I, I want. I got a yeah, number you got, for you. Can you hook me up, please? Yes. Um, uh, just, just joking, Brian, and thanks for that. Um, I'm uh, never very, being vulnerable very, with you again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's right. Like, it's true. Like, psychology today is actually very helpful because a lot of them list, like, exactly, like, what I specialize in, like, what I listen to. Are they honest about it all the time? No, <laughs> clearly not. Um, the last therapist that I had before the one I have now, I she was really great at first. I felt like, okay, this is really good. Like she was helping me just like overcome like some of the just general anxiety, some of the depression, whatever. And then, you know, just with some general like poor body image and like low self-esteem, I had kind of brought that up one day and damn, like she basically just talked about like all the food she eats and that I should just eat the same things as her. Like she's like, like I always have fresh fruit in my fridge. Like that's a really good idea. Like just went off the handle and I was like, what? Wait, wait, what? (laughs) She was just, anyway, she was just very unhelpful. So that did a 180 and then I was like, okay, see ya. Never went back to her because she'd also canceled like three appointments on me and just like never called to reschedule. So that's really unhelpful too. Um, but then that led me to the one I have now. So it it is like, I think the thing that people have to understand too, is that it it is, you know, these are human beings Mm. and, and there are people who are at like any job, there are people who are good at it and there are people who are not so great at it. And just because they have the education doesn't necessarily mean that they're good at what they do. And so (laughs) sometimes it takes a bit of time to find the right person. How did you end up coming to the diagnosis of ADHD? Yeah. So with all these other previous therapists and doctors and whatnot, you know, it was depression. It's anxiety. No, it's depression again. Like it was a lot of that back and forth and just trying different antidepressants. And I was kind of feeling like, yeah, okay, like that helps for a little bit, but then like not really. Um, And so, and like you said, it's pretty fresh for me. Like it was just in October, I think, that I started seeing my new therapist, Tammy, I love you. Um, At the recommendation of a coworker, actually, she was like, oh, like she's really great because I wasn't seeing that old shitty therapist. Um, So I didn't have anybody. And she was like, oh, I love like this girl that I go to. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And literally after, like it was our second session, it was 10 minutes in and she was like, has anyone ever told you that you might be ADHD? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, no, because like, I feel like most of the population, when you think of ADHD, you're thinking of that hyper kid, especially the boy, the hyper boy who can't sit still is always like padding and Has like the spaghetti drumming. stains on the corner of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who can't sit still. And I just was like, no, like what? But it's funny because up leading up to that point, like just on TikTok and Instagram, I had started to see like some posts of women or people talking about like these are some of the symptoms of ADHD and I remember thinking like whoa Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that's 
scarily like close to what I am, but obviously I'm not going to diagnose myself on TikTok, but. Interesting. She wouldn't do that. I wonder who would. And segue back to the Brian show. Here we go. <laughs> what, I did what not are... diagnose myself okay. on TikTok. <laughs> it's okay uh, if you did. <laughs> what are some of the things that, what are some of the things that, uh, that you saw that resonated with you that aren't in that uh, stereotypical or kind of pop culture mm. Uh, mm. idea of what of what ADHD is mm-hmm. or looks like? Well, I mean, the first one I'm going to mention is forgetfulness. So I'm not even going to remember half of the things that I'd like to tell you that I was like, oh, that sounds like me. Um, <laughs> just general, like feeling like my head was just always like instead of feeling physically hyperactive I felt like my brain was hyperactive Mm. um so forgetfulness poor time management um like making impulsive decisions especially with money like that was a big one for me that one in the time management um yeah see I'm forgetting like half of the other ones but those ones were ones that like really stuck out to me that I was like I didn't think those were things that could be like symptoms of a mental like illness or whatever mm-hmm. i just thought like oh those are things personality that just, quirks yeah that it, like yeah. i was like that's just who i am like i just always run late <laughs> and i like to shop so uh <laughs> and then you know seeing all those things and then being with Tammy and her being like yeah has anyone ever told you, you might be adhd i was like no but that's really interesting you say that and then it just snowballed from there she was like okay we're gonna get you tested like let's go try this she's like i because she has adhd herself mm-hmm. so she i think she recognized it Um, and even like I'm doing right now, I'm jumping between like three different stories. So that's also the distractedness in my brain's like going anyway. Um. I mean, this, this entire, this entire podcast for six years has been ADHD. Really, Every episode. That's not even my fault. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just the, the brain, the the brain brain. that is combined when you put the three of us together. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. When you, I mean, I haven't even really talked to Brian about this because, mm. because, because I know Brian, you actually haven't been diagnosed yet, right? Like that, like I have been. Yeah. No, you you have yeah. officially been diagnosed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I, for some reason, I thought that you haven't based on the conversation, recent conversation. No, I haven't. On- I haven't gone to my doctor to talk about being medicated. Yes. Okay. It. Right. Yeah. That's it. So, yes. so you've gotten a diagnosis, yes. mm. and and once you get the diagnosis, mm-hmm. um, what? 
what do you and your um, your psychologist do about mm-hmm. that? Is there is, did, did you guys take a course of action, or or you know do you start off with just going all right? Well, let's talk. Like, let's try to talk through this first. Yeah. Or or are you like medicated, or like what's the what's the course of action? Yeah, I mean, for me, like I think because she noticed it so early, and then because I was kind of seeing those things, like it just made so much sense. Like when she said that. I just was like, okay, I feel like this is definitely what it is. And we didn't really talk about it now that I think about it, like what should we do, where should we go? But my next step was when you do all this testing, like it's a lot of paperwork, it's a lot of tests. It was a lot of like multiple choice on a scale of one to 10. And she was obviously testing for like a lot of other things too. Mm. Um, the questions are not what I expected no. either for an ADHD test. Like, I can't remember what any yeah, of right, them are. Either, but, yeah. but, but like I was like, what? how does yes. this indicate mm-hmm. You know that you might have like ADHD. like as ra- like. Do you prefer Reuben <laughs> sandwiches over like yeah. locks on a bagel? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. like, yeah. like like that kind of <laughs> random. Or I, I'm being no, serious. No, no, no. All, all the questions are specifically to do with Jewish deli. Um, <laughs> they're all Jewish deli related. You can tell I haven't had lunch yet. Person, personality <laughs> things, but but even things like around like re- personal relationships yes. and stuff that like that like you wouldn't. Attribute to like attention deficit mm-hmm. hyperactive disorder, like sure. it would, it like something like, do you have, do you have someone in your life that you feel comfortable, you know, expressing when you are sad, kind of thing, like that, like that sort of shit. Well, mm-hmm. I found like one of the really weird ones, like, and I, I mean, you can kind of tell what it's disguised as. Like one thing I'm thinking of is like the impulsiveness side of it. Mm. So it's like, do you take um, risky chances with like shopping, but then also yes. like. Do you choose really poor like partners? Like, do you jump into sex really quickly? Do you jump in relationships really quickly? Yes. So, yeah. uh, like that on a deeper level. So it's not just the surface of like, do you shop a lot? It was also like, do you do things with people really quickly? Do you make decisions that you're like, this person probably isn't great for me, but like, whatever, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because those are some of like the exact questions yeah. that I was thinking of when when I when I mentioned that, especially around mo- money and relationships, yes. because money is something that I definitely didn't think of, but also I have had an experience in, in my, like my life has been really built around like impulsivity mm-hmm. and like, mm. like lack of, um, because of the, and it's because of the dopamine that yes. you get from like yeah. spending, like yes. it feels like, oh yeah it feels good, better to buy the thing than mm-hmm. to not buy the thing. Yes. Right. And I've learned to like, cause I'm trying to learn a lot about it too. Cause it's really interesting to me now that it's like, okay, my brain is clearly built differently mm. and we're dopamine deficient. Like we don't have as much dopamine as other people. So obviously we're going to look for that really quick and like huge hit of it, right? It's Mm. not just like, oh, I went for a walk and like that felt good. It's like, nah, I bought a trip to Vegas. This is awesome. Like (laughs) you're looking for that hit. I see that there's a, that like when I, whenever we talk about ADHD and whenever you talk about ADHD, Brian, and and like I I say this, I say this broadly about society and, and, and because I see it in myself too, is that, I see it as such a, as such a, we've come so far in things like anxiety and depression. Like we, 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 I feel like societally we've come very far in that. And the, the broad understanding of what that looks like and how people suffer with that is very, is, is come along, has come a fairly long way. And then when I think about something like ADHD, I find that it, it faces particular headwinds in understanding. And I say that cause I see it in myself in, because there's so many aspects of it that point, there's so many things that point to having ADHD that I think 
at least we think about it in terms of blurring the lines with some some like character traits. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, to- like totally. We, like when you say yeah. like impulsivity with money, like mm-hmm. that can so easily be written off. But as like, oh, this, this person's bad That's with right. money. Like some yeah. people so are good with money. Some people are bad with money. Yeah. And it's so the- you don't think about it in that way of like, it's it's hard, I think, for a lot of people to think about it in the context of like that that's a mental yeah. yes. disorder that is that is causing that yeah. to happen. A really a character trait up for you. A really good tangible way to understand it, Taylor, because like I think you hit the nail on the head. Like mm-hmm. it is like it can be seen as like such a quirky thing. You know, yes. like, oh, that's the type of person that that person is. Not yeah. like not not like, oh, that's a mental disorder. Yes. And and so Taylor, like for example, we go and get food and we pick it up at the store and we're going to bring it home and eat it. I'm, as soon as I get that food in my hands, I'm like, I have to eat this now. Like I've got, and you're like, oh dude, just, it's going to be so much more enjoyable when you get home and can Mm -hmm. sit down and eat that comfortably. (laughs) There's something in my brain that is like firing, like (laughs) need reward, need reward now, like need to eat this now. And you're like, oh dude, you can just not, like you Mm -hmm. can just not have it. But like, it's like, it's like nails on a chalkboard yeah. in my brain that's like must have yeah. this. Like I you have it can't now. I can turn it off. And, you can't tell it to shh. And so that's easy in that situation to go, oh, well, that, like whatever. Just don't eat it. You'll be fine. But then imagine that showing up in like relationships mm-hmm. and like in, in um, you know, spending money where you're like mm-hmm. you can't resist the urge to, to, to not buy that thing. Mm-hmm. And so – then like, then it's like all of a sudden, and it's easy to say like, well, just don't do it. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. But like your brain is literally driving yourself crazy going, I need that dopamine. But I don't even, I'm not even necessarily seeing it or or talking about it in the sense of like, I I know that I have for sure in the past, but I'm not saying it right now in the way of like, don't just don't do it. Mm -hmm. I'm more so saying, saying like how easy it is to, to go, to go, um, to see it as, for the money thing as a, as a, for for example as mm. there's a spectrum of ca- capacity to manage money mm. and somebody's on one end and somebody's on the other and yeah. not being able to see that the the and and it, and it being challenging for people to see that the reason that somebody is on this end of the spectrum is because of this yeah mm-hmm. instead of just being there because that's the spectrum and that's that's kind of where mm-hmm. we fell yeah. and and i well i think the challenge is, is that there could be two reasons like you're saying there could be two reasons that somebody is on the spectrum of like oh i'm bad with money but like i'm just bad with money because like because i'm just bad with money versus i have a dopamine deficiency yeah. and i'm trying to chase that feeling of like helping my brain um, yeah, I feel create like, dopamine. And like, I again, you know, forgetfulness, I just thought of it now, like out of sight, out of mind is a big thing. Yes. So yeah. with paperwork, but then also like tying it in with money, if I don't look at my bank account for a few days, <laughs> I think I have so much more money in there than totally. I do. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because yeah. I'm forgetting about yeah. all these other little things. Uh, but even All your subscriptions yes, all coming out. Yeah. But it's even things like, I'll be like, oh, okay, I have this much money. Yeah, I can get my hair done. And then it's like later on in the week, I'm like, yeah, I can buy this, you know, expensive whatever. Yeah, I can buy this. Forgetting about the two other things I already said, yes, I can do that. Mm. So then I look at my bank account three days later and I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so because I, you know, it's not in my face. Yeah. Oh man. But it's, <laughs> and again, that is relationships to a T. Mm. Like I think of, you know, I've been really fortunate to live in different places, um, 
growing up, like I went to school in Ottawa and I lived in Dubai for a few years Mm -hmm. and I made, I had really great friendships while I was there. Mm -hmm. And I'm the worst person at keeping in touch with people and following up. (laughs) But like in my heart, I'm like, I love those people. Like I, and, and I used to think, oh, well, they feel the same. But then I'm like, oh, these people need like a bit of like attention. Like, yeah, yeah. like you have to like it's not just good enough to think like, oh, yes. I love that person. Right. I'm like, oh, well, fuck, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> we could. I mean, back the more, the more you, honestly, the more you guys <laughs> rifle on about it, the more I'm like, fuck, man, I probably have it. Like, I actually, for real, 100. percent I'm like, fuck, I know for a fact but, that if I, I ever mean, got I checked, I would, I would, they would be like, yeah, you do. Like that's been I and I like I think that like socially broadly as a society we've 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 sort of swung back and forth on the pendulum of ADHD like there you know it's not that long ago where the 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 conversation around ADHD was was why are therapists diagnosing every single child with ADHD and you were yes. seeing it as a problem with yeah. that and now it's sort of it feels like we've kind of swung back the other way and I think it is so it is so challenging for that exact reason that there are so many there are so many things that point to having it that that so many people deal with in one way or another and maybe it's 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 more that i'm just speculating and you know the people who deal with this can tell me if i'm right or not that it's really that you that it's like okay well do you experience those on the extreme end. Right. And are there yeah. enough yes. of those that you yeah. experience on the extreme end? Because like depression, we're all, everybody knows, everybody knows what it feels like to be yes. sad. Yeah. Yeah. But and I'm not, finding that like really frustrating right now, because obviously like I have the diagnosis now that when I'm trying to explain what I do and what it is, so many people are like, Oh, I do that too. And I'm mm, like, right. okay, mm. but do you do it every day, constantly, always? Do or is it something you just yeah. do sometimes? Mm-hmm. Do you do it yeah. to a point where it is actually having a yes. negative effect on your And that's what's so life. frustrating because like people are just like, Oh, I'm so ADHD. Like I can't yeah. pay attention. I can't sit still. And I'm like, uh, mm. okay, whatever. <laughs> like, the, I, I want to, I, I just want to take it back to the, to, to tying this into the, um, the loss of your father. Yes. Um, you know, you, you were saying that uh, up until October, you, you know, you got this diagnosis, but before that mm-hmm. there were, you know, you were struggling with your mental health in ways that had nothing to do with ADHD to your knowledge at that point. Right. It was all like, it, I'm, I must be depressed yeah. or, you know, it must be anxiety. Yeah. Do you think that your, that the ADHD played a, a pretty significant role in the ways that you found your mental health to be a challenge after the fact that your father died? Absolutely. Like looking back now, I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, you know, like my emotions are very, very intense, which I guess can be like a symptom as well. Like you experience pretty big like fluctuations or like something that somebody would be like, oh, that really sucks to me. I'm like, nope, this is, this is really bad. Like, this is not okay. And I'm just thinking of so many situations like revolving around that. Like, you know, the first time my mom started dating somebody else, that felt detrimental to me. Yeah. And, you know, like, obviously you're going to have a hard time with it, but I don't think people understood, like even friends, even her, she would kind of be like, why are you taking it to like this level? But I didn't know, like to me, I'm like, no, this is just how it feels. Mm. And you know, even like throughout the years, like the longer it went on, like I still felt like it's so hard to deal with. Why is this so hard to deal with? 
but something that somebody would just be kind of like, yeah, like it, you know, it bothers me, but like, it's fine. To me, it still felt like really, really awful. Mm. So, and then just generally like through life, um, anything that was like inconvenient that would happen, it was like, I would have a meltdown. Explosive, yeah. Like, and I could never understand why. I just feel like I've gone so many years thinking, why do I feel so different? What is wrong with me? I don't understand why other people can do things so much more easily than me. Like, why can everyone, like, do their dishes easier than I can? Why does it take so much effort for me to do my goddamn dishes? Mm. You know, people would just be like, oh, you just do it. And I'm like, how? I'm like, I have to go through so many mental blocks to actually get myself up to do it because your head makes you so tired because Mm. it's constantly on that it's like I come home from work and I just want to lay in bed. So there's people thinking you have just depression, right? Mm. You just want to go home and lay in bed. But I'm like, no, my head doesn't shut off ever. And that's exhausting. Mm-hmm. But that's hard to explain to people because they can't see that happening. I wish mm-hmm. someone and hard could, for you to explain to yourself yes. when you don't even realize that that's what's happening. Right? You're just yeah. you're you're the same as those people going. Yes. Oh yeah. fuck! I guess I got depression. You know, yeah. like I totally. just fucking go home and lay in bed all day. Right? And or like, binge what Netflix. is wrong? Like, is there something wrong with me? Like, why does everyone have an easier time? Like, okay, I hate exercise. All right, I said it there. Um, <laughs> I, trying to make myself just go to the gym. People are like, well, I don't like it either. But you just go and do it, and I'm like, no. Like, I can't do that. It's bigger than that. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. it is. So that was on so many levels for so many things. And, and this way that you have now, like, put these, you know, put the puzzle pieces together and have linked what you've gone through after, after trying to process this really um, heavy period of grief mm-hmm. and, and putting that together with what, what you're going through with your ADHD, um, is this something that you are actively working through with your therapist now, like tying in the grief and tying in the, the, the past traumas that you've been through mm-hmm. with this new diagnosis that you've, you've found yourself with recently? Yeah. I mean, I haven't been with her very long, so we haven't gotten like too deep into it, but I absolutely feel like it's going to be so much easier for me to go in the past and talk about those mm. things and like even just the diagnosis itself, like forget medication, like to just be able to be like, oh, that's why I'm doing it or that's why mm, I did it or that's yeah. why I felt that way is so comforting to be like there wasn't something wrong with you. Like you weren't this mm-hmm. defective, annoying kid. You were dealing with something that you didn't know you had. And I like to think now, like if I had had the proper diagnosis as a kid, I'd like to think that it could have been a lot easier yeah. for me going mm-hmm. through that. But I mean, you don't know, but... <laughs> Do you feel like, um, to that note, do you feel like there's part of you grieves the person that you maybe quote unquote could have been if you would have known earlier? Yeah, I really do. Cause it's like just feeling behind other kids, you know, like watching them kind of mature a bit quicker, which I guess is also part of, cause like the ADHD brain is built a little differently. Like I guess a lot of young adults or adults that have it, like generally they, they were a little more immature. They were a little bit behind other kids just because your brain's like that, I, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely did feel that way. Like I remember seeing my peers doing things that it was like, well, I don't want to do that. Like why? So I just, yeah, I kind of am like, <clears throat> could I have, you know, been more fun or been more open and been able to do things earlier or better and not feel behind if so yeah yeah, I have been kind of looking back lately and been like I maybe could have had a much easier time growing up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's um 
the the thing you said about depression is really interesting for me mm-hmm. um because there are there's there's one specific day that I think of when like i i've I've sort of been through a couple periods of time in my life where I'm like, oh, I was like so mm-hmm. pretty significantly depressed during that time, and there's one moment in particular where uh I laid in bed all day one day mm-hmm. and um I was writing actually on our discord group, and I was saying to people, I was like, guys like I need help. Like I need Mm -hmm. to get out of bed. I need some motivation to do this. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't physically do it. And, um, and then this sort of guilt from laying there and thinking like, I should be doing something like that is that feeling of guilt was like really what made me feel sort of engulfed in this Mm -hmm. depression. Um, but I actually looking back now, knowing what I know about how the way that my brain works Mm -hmm. is I don't, think it was necessarily depression. I think that depression was, or like, you know, the feeling of being depressed came up from that guilt, but I think it was sort of like the, the, um, being incapacitated Mm -hmm. by my inability to start a task, which was get out of bed. Yes. Um, is what made me feel depressed. Yeah. And if I would have known at that time that like, Oh, you know, this could be resolved by me actually just starting something or like doing like, you know, using a technique that I had Mm -hmm. or, or even possibly taking medication. I feel like it would have made a a massive difference. Mm -hmm. But then I think back of all of the other moments in my life where I've had times like that, I'm like, fuck, that's like the disorder. Like that's the the most challenging part of dealing with that. Mm I, I know that the, the ADHD uh, diagnosis has been recent. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm just trying to like, think of how to, to, um, to angle this question that we typically ask most of our guests, but I, I guess I'll, I'll say out of the experience that you went through with the loss of your father, Mm -hmm. without having this diagnosis, Mm -hmm. what do you think is the biggest thing that that experience has taken away from you? Um, I mean, probably just like (laughs) the mental stability, (laughs) um, because I feel like, like I said, like just even having the diagnosis helped so much, like before I started medication, because I could finally rationalize why I was feeling a certain way or why I was not able to do something. So yeah, I feel like it, took away like my mental but like because I was hard on myself right Mm. because it's like you said it's it's the guilt it's why can't I do it like everybody else like you just don't feel like you're like everyone else so (laughs) it's yeah you get really hard on yourself so I feel like it would have been great to Mm. (laughs) understand why instead of questioning it what Mm. would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you um I think think it's made me a very and like in combination with like losing my dad I think I'm a very empathetic person I think it's helped me in my job because you don't know what somebody else has been dealing Mm. with with going through and you know it's made me a good listener I think too because anytime somebody is going through that now it's like oh hey like I have a little roadmap for you here Mm -hmm. I, I I just think generally it's made me a better person um to just listen to people, to be kinder, to be a shoulder for someone to lean on. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you, uh, before we wrap, um, I had one last question, which is, mm-hmm. you know, working in the world of pharmacy, mm. um, and 
obviously medication being a potential option to treat ADHD. Have you had that conversation with your therapist or doctor yet? Yeah. And you know, that that's a journey in itself (laughs) because, you know, it's really guesswork when you first start because you have your stimulants and your non-stimulants and you don't really know like what each person is going to need. So they kind of just blindly pick one and go with it. And but that's so frustrating about mental yeah. illness, right? Because it's because that goes for any other mental illness as well. Like, you don't know if this is going to work for somebody. And when you're in a bad spot, you don't want to wait three months. Like, you want to know it's going to work now. So, I mean, I think I found the right combination and the right dose for myself because I started out with Concerta. Um, and it was a pretty low dose, like 18 milligrams. That's the starting one. It's pretty low So not a lot of people stay on that. So I increased to the next dose and like that seemed to be helping, um, but it didn't seem like I was quite there. So they added another medication with it. So that combination has been working really well for me lately. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) the amount of energy that I have, I'm like, oh, is this what people normally feel like? Is this how other people get through the work week? I'm like, okay, this is great. (laughs) Like I was amazed to feel like, this is what I've been missing. Have you have you noticed other, you know, profound effects in your life like outside of just like increased energy? Not quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um I, but for me that was a big one. Like mm-hmm. I had a lot of lack of energy and like not being able to do things and just the general tiredness, right? So to come home from work and be like, yeah, I can do my dishes. I'm not too tired. That's a miracle for me. <laughs> so I uh, yeah, this yeah. is this is a uh, this is not, it's not super off topic, but just something that you mentioned there, Hillary, on the on the topic of like the way that it is, uh, the way that the way that medication uh, when it comes to mental uh, mental illnesses, like mm-hmm. how challenging that can be, like how how it really is, like a all right, let's like spin the wheel and yep. whatever it lands on is what we'll start with, and then we'll see how that works, and yep. as opposed to as opposed to um, you know if you're taking like heart heart medication or, or something mm-hmm. like that that's very like physical mm-hmm. um um i was i might have mentioned this on the podcast before but uh i don't think i did there i was listening to uh, an episode of uh the drive peter tia's podcast with a, a guy who's a, a phd md from stanford and he is a he, he seems he's from what i gather he's a likely nobel uh prize winner in the uh or nobel nobel candidate in the future for his work on developing biomarkers for mental illness. Oh, wow. So the way that you can, you know, take someone's blood and say, you know, X, Y, Z is, could be or is happening with this person. Mm-hmm. There's no biomarkers available for mm. mental health. Yeah. And that he's in the, he's basically, his whole research is on developing those biomarkers, which would then lead to closing the gap that there is in medicating mm-hmm. mental health because the biomarkers would have so many more indicators that you could understand Ooh, right. as to mm-hmm. what they're dealing with and, and, and like what level or degree of what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that was, that's just like fascinating. I'll, I'll, uh, we can talk about it again some, some other time, maybe on a Friday episode and I'll pull the guy's name up cause it was really fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a very, it's, I, we're, we're living in a very exciting time in terms of like health mm-hmm. research and, and like yeah. the advancements of health. I mean, you know, like even you just talking about like taking this new drug and it's like this world shattering yep. like <laughs> I, I'm I'm in the exact same boat yes. like that like just just 
and and it's this thing that like it's hard to really it's hard to explain to someone for yeah. them to get it. It's like it's like it's like uh, it's like trying to explain like doing mushrooms to someone who's never taken a psychedelic <laughs> before. You're like, I can't really like I could tell you, but like it really, you're not gonna have any idea what the fuck I'm talking about unless you've been in it. And and I I'm in it. I get it. Yeah. You yeah, know what my biggest takeaway is pretty cool. Is my biggest takeaway is that the power of marketing and placebo from big pharma, because really these drugs don't do anything. It's just like, you know, like big pharma is just fucking milking us. And yeah. there's all and you've like got to literally think about the coincidental timing with the Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's all, it's all, it's all, oh, it's, it's all correlated. Oh you can't trust uh, them at all. Hillary, I, I want to <laughs> say thank you for, uh, for being so open with us and talking about some stuff that, you know, talking about trauma, trauma, talking about trauma is hard. Um, yeah. and, and you, uh, you were so gracious with your time, and thank you for for fucking driving for me, Brunswick, to hang out with us today. This Are been you kidding me? So okay, cool. listen, we have been sitting in my car for like thirty minutes because neither of us could like calm down. We were so excited to meet you guys. Like this was really exciting. So like we both were just like, okay, let's just take it. So listen, I would have driven a lot longer. So. Well, thank you. This <laughs> has been this has been a real treat, and it's so nice to meet you in person. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. There you have it, folks. That was our conversation with Hillary. I hope you enjoyed it. So sweet of her to drive all the way from New Brunswick to come hang out with, uh, well, at least some of the fellas in person for a recording. And um, thanks for supporting the podcast. Uh, If you want to continue doing that, you can do that by leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply review or rather rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app. And uh, of course, all the uh, conversations after these episodes are happening over on Discord. Don't miss it. You can check out the Discord link in the show notes below. Uh, So fun to see the conversations happening over there. We've got a really lovely community of hundreds of sickos and and non-sickos all chiming in, and uh, we'd love to have you be a part of the community. And uh, hey, here's a little shameless plug. June 8th, I'm going to be in Ottawa with my other podcast, Turn Me On Podcast with Bridie. And uh, we're doing a live show on June 8th in Ottawa at the bar called Afterlight. And we'd love to see you there. Uh, You can get tickets if you just head to um, my Instagram or Turn Me On's Instagram or Bridie's Instagram. And the uh, ticket link is in the bio. And a uh, big shout out to Taylor, Brian, and uh, and of course myself for producing and hosting the podcast. Uh, Jeff Lonis for managing the podcast over at Talent Bureau. Uh, we love you, Donovan, the CPAP Morgan, for doing the sound design. Although also, congratulations, Donovan, on a sick show last weekend uh, here in Halifax with your band Swift Kick. It was so fun to see you and get really, really toasted and have a good time. And, uh, and of course, a big shout out to Take Part for the theme music of this week's episode. That is it for this week. I am Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.